How's everyone doing? Good. Hey, my name is Shane. Uh, I'm the family pastor here at Grace. And today's Palm Sunday. Uh, and so it's a very special day for us. Marks the entrance of Jesus coming into the city. Uh, but we're still in our Colossians series. And it's crazy how what we're in in Colossians today, Colossians 2, how it ties together uh, with this story of Palm Sunday. And today is all about enemies. Today's all about enemies. And today we're going to be talking about enemies of the faith. Enemies of the faith. And let me just start off before we get into today. Today is going to stretch you. Today is going to stretch you. Today is going to make you question. Today is going to stretch you in ways maybe you haven't felt in a long time. But the truth is, this is not me speaking. I'm reading directly from the word of God. So maybe Jesus wants to stretch you today. And so we're talking about enemies Four enemies of the faith. But before we get into that, I just want to highlight some major enemies that we see in movies today uh, and around culture. So let's put this up here. If you know these guys, like just, you know, anybody know this guy? Luke, you are my father. Any Star Wars fans? Anybody fans? Yeah, and then uh, coming up next, this guy, right? One snap, everyone's gone. And then the ultimate enemy for us here in Reno, Nevada. If you agree, make some noise. Come on. Let's go, pack. Come on. All the people from Vegas are like, I'm not listening to this guy. I'm not listening to this guy. Four enemies of the faith. The first enemy we're going to talk about today in Colossians 2, starting in verse 8, is the enemy of empty philosophy. The enemy of empty philosophy. Verse 8 says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of the world rather than from Christ. Don't let anybody capture you. Don't let anybody shape your mind or make you think that there's anything in this world that can complete you except for Jesus Christ. We'll fall guilty to empty philosophies. We'll fall into these traps. But here as you go into verse nine, it says, for Christ lives, lives in all the fullness of God in a human body. This part's very important. So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. See, the enemy is empty philosophy. The solution is truth in Christ. See, a lot of us, we approach our faith with, it's Jesus and. I have Jesus and I have this that I do. I have this spiritual practice. I have this thing that I do. It's not Jesus and, it's Jesus Period. The only thing that can complete us is Jesus Christ alone. And every time, every time that we step outside of this, every time we step outside of this, we're stepping into waters that can be dark, waters that could take us off path. When we lose sight that it's Jesus Christ and Jesus alone, there is nothing besides Jesus that can complete us. If you agree, say amen. And there's, there's all these things that we do. Self-help books, uh, you know, crystals, secret ways of how we pray. And I'm here to say today, it's not about self-help. It's about surrender of self. You can read all the books in the world. I'm not saying those are bad. You can, you can take all the seminars in the world to help you. But if you do not get this point that the only philosophy, the completing philosophy is Jesus Christ. He's what completes you then everything else is in vain. The, the problem is empty philosophy. The solution is our truth in Christ. The second enemy of the faith we're going to talk about today is this idea of legalism. 
Legalism. Verse 13 in Colossians 2 says, You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive in Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of your charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. The enemy is legalism. The enemy is legalism, and the solution to legalism is grace. There's, there's legalistic theology, and then there's grace-based theology. There, there's, there's rules theology, and then there's grace-based theology. See, every time we fall into rule-based theology, legalism for our life, what we are really saying is, Jesus, your death on the cross was not enough to cover me. Jesus, the cross wasn't enough. I have to do this. I have to act a certain way. I have to be this for me to be made right in God's eyes. No, the only thing that makes you right in God's eyes is Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection three days later. The enemy is legalism. And see, let me say this. Rules for your life are not bad. A lot of people hear this and they're like, oh, hey, Shane said it. I can go do whatever I want. You know, don't, don't take that from it. Rules for your life are not bad, but worshiping them is. When they become... When the rules for your life become the pinnacle of your worship, not Christ, that's when it becomes an enemy. And see, we also don't want to let our rules, we don't want to let our way of thinking how Christians should act, how the world should act, we don't want our rules and our legalism to stop people from encountering the grace of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we project our own rules, our own legalism, our own philosophies onto other people. And because of that, they are scared away from Jesus Christ. I don't know this. When are we going to quit trying to guilt people into relationship with Jesus? When are we going to try to stop yelling people to Jesus? For you online, you hear, hear, the, the answer is hashtag love wins. Hashtag every time. You could put it, love always wins. We can yell and guilt all we want, but the sacrifice of Jesus is all people need. And let me, let me just put this in a way that I can make this clear. See, there's people out there in our world that are hurting and their perception of the church is very negative right now. You don't agree with me, go on social media. You don't agree with me, go check out the feeds on social media. The view of the church, the view of Christ's body, is negative. And I think there's part of us, we have to own that. We have to own that. It's easy to say they just don't understand, they don't get it. We have to own the fact that some parts of the church have not represented Christ the way he deserves to represent. And we put Christ's name to pieces of legalism, like this is how Jesus wants it, and Jesus is like, I would not put my name to that. I wouldn't sign off on that. And some of us are scaring people away from encountering the grace of Jesus Christ by how we treat them. The third enemy of the faith is false teachers. Verse 16 says, Don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holidays, holy days, or the new moon ceremony or Sabbath. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. And they are not connected to Christ. 
the head of the body. The enemy is false teachers. And, and I mean, tell me, you, you gotta know this. Everybody knows there's false teachers out there, right? There is people who are saying things in the name of Jesus that don't align with Jesus at all. There's false teachers, but there is a solution. And the solution is simple. Know your Bible. Know your Bible. There's false teachers. In 2 Timothy 3, says, verse 16, says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and training in righteousness. For teaching and rebuking. We have to know our word because people are going to say things. There's going to be charismatic speakers. There's going to be people in the world who are going to say things in a clever way. And you will fall victim to that. Because you are not strong in your word. And here's the thing. Don't just believe everything I say. Don't believe everything Dan says. Just because I say it. Just because Dan says it. You need to go home and study for yourself. If the truth is that the only time you're getting into the word of God is on Sundays, you are getting very close to falling victim to false teaching. You have to back yourself up with knowing your Bible. Ephesians 4.14 says this, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every kind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever. Listen to this part. With lies so clever, they sound like the truth. Let's just be honest. Some of us are infants in our time in the word. And people are going to come around and say things that sound like Jesus. Sound like love. Sound like grace. But in truth, they're anything but. And I want to say this, most, all, all of you already know this, but let me say this. God is a better pastor than me. God, Dan, if you're watching, you agree with this too. God is a better pastor than Dan. You have every opportunity to every day get a sermon from the creator of the universe. You have the opportunity every day to get words in your life that will radically change your life, but for some of you, you wait just to come hear this human talk about it. I don't know about you, but I'd rather hear from the creator of the universe than someone who was created by him, right? You gotta know your Bible. And the fourth enemy of the faith, this one is gonna be fun. The fourth enemy of the faith is Tradition. Now, let me be clear before we dive into this. I'm talking about religious tradition. I, for all those people who are Christmas warriors, you know, those, those people who are fighting for like, I have Christmas a certain way and it's the only way to do Christmas. I'm not tackling that. I, I'm not tackling your family traditions where you go to camp and stuff. I'm talking about religious traditions when it comes to the church and the body and how we act, how we think. Religious traditions. The enemy is tradition and the solution is relationship-focused, relationship with Jesus. In verse 22, it says, Such rules are more human teaching about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help 
in conquering a person's evil desire. The enemy is tradition. The solution is relationship with Jesus. See, tradition can change the outside of us. It can make us look a certain way, but tradition cannot change the inside of us. We can come to church and we can have a certain way of how church should work, how it should look, but that will not change the inside of us. And here's the truth. We care about tradition. We care. You know how I know this? Uh, you see this little, this little thing back here? It's got circles and drumsticks and you know, all this fancy stuff, right? When there, was, there, was, there was complete rebellion when churches started bringing this thing on stage. I mean, there, there was people who were saying, Jesus cannot move in a church that has drum sets. There was complete rebellion. It, because we looked at it and said, that is not the way I like church. That's not the way I like going. That's not the way I hear from God. You see the word I'm saying over and over again? I. Matthew 23, verse 25 says this. The Pharisees and teachers are show-offs, and you are in trouble. You wash the outside of the cup and dishes, while the inside there is nothing but greed and selfishness. You blind Pharisees, first clean the outside of the cup, and first clean the inside of the cup, and then the outside will also be clean. People walk around in this time, and the, the religious leaders, they looked great. They looked like they had everything in order. But here's the truth. Jesus came to wreck tradition. Jesus did. Jesus came to wreck empty philosophies. Jesus came to wreck false teachers. He came to wreck all of these things. But tradition's one that kind of hung people up almost the most. And I want to tell you a story, a funny story about, it's not really funny, it's, it's a story about my life. I don't know if you guys know this, I used to be a metalhead. I used to be a metalhead. And uh, I got one woo, hey, rock on. Um, <laughs> I used to be a metalhead, and when I say that, I'm saying like I had jeans with holes in them. I, I wore like a biker jacket. I had like big old plugs in my ears, and I had a 12-inch mohawk. But here's the truth. I was on fire for Jesus. I was on fire for Jesus. I was radically saved. I'd given my life to Christ, and I, I was on fire. And I remember I was in a new town, and I was looking for a new church, and I was going to different churches to try it out, see which one I fit in. I remember one Sunday, I walk into a church, and I walk through the doors, and I immediately think, like, why is everyone looking at me? Well, I, I'm a normal person. And I walk by, and as I get almost to the door, I hear out of the corner of my ear, he just doesn't know how we dress yet. Tradition. I'll tell you one thing. Tradition stopped me from ever going back to that church again. Tradition stopped me from being able to hear the pastor's word today because some people there had a tradition, this is how you should look when you go to church. Let me put it in a different way for you, if that, doesn't, if that didn't hit. I have twin daughters. Uh, they're three years old. Pray for me. Um, we're getting through it. Actually, pray for my wife. Pray for my wife. Uh, yeah. We have twin daughters. And um, Sometimes when we get into this idea of tradition, this enemy of tradition, we don't even know why we do things, that, why, why it's important to us, right? It's just that's how we do it. And I, how I know this is uh, last week, uh, I, we had our daughters and we're like, hey, we're going to be great parents. I had this great idea. I told my wife, hey, we're going to have our kids give up some of their stuffies, their stuffed animals, and give them to kids in need. We're going to have them go through their box of like 100 stuffies. Yeah, I overbuy that stuff. 
And, and just say, have them take it and give it to a kid in need. My wife's like, okay. So then I'm sitting there watching TV while my wife's in the other room doing all the hard work about this thing. I'm admitted, I messed up. Um, and then all of a sudden, I hear death screams from my daughter, Willow. Like, I'm not talking, I mean, I thought she was dying. I thought something happened. I rush into the room and she's bawling tears. She's bawling. I'm like, Willow, what's wrong? I don't want to give up my stuffies. I don't want to give up my stuffies. She's losing it. And I'm like, you have not seen some of these stuffies for two years. They've been at the bottom of this box. Take the one you don't like. I'm, I'm, I'm like, you don't know why you have this stuff. It's just how sometimes we don't know why we believe what we believe or why it matters so much. And I, I have this spiritual dad moment. I'm like, Willow, come here. I'm talking to you online right now. I said, Willow, come here. Hey, there's kids out there who don't have a stuffy. There's kids out there who don't have anything. And you have so many stuffies, so many. Just give one away. I'm like, man, I'm a good dad. I am a good dad. Right? Right? Her response, welled up with tears. I don't care. I don't care about those kids. I don't care that they don't have stuffies. I don't want to lose my stuffies. (laughs) <laughs> it's funny, right? <laughs> oh, here we, uh, I don't care that there's people far from Christ who need to encounter Jesus. I want church to look how I want it to look. I don't care that there's addicts who need the grace and salvation of Jesus. I want church to look how I want it to look. I don't care that we live in a city that is so far from God. The only thing that matters is that my needs are met. What if we stopped approaching our faith like a three-year-old and started approaching our faith like an adult? Because here's the truth. I saw the bigger picture with my daughter. There's kids out there who have needs. I see this because I was the adult in the situation. But my three-year-old daughter, all she saw was, I can't lose this. Sometimes we have to lose tradition to make way for people to encounter Jesus. Amen? You guys still with me? The enemy is tradition. The solution is relationship with Jesus. Relationship focused. And you might say, how does this tie together with Palm Sunday? How does this tie together with this day of Palm Sunday? Let me read out of John 12 and then I'll explain. John 12 said, The next day the crowd had come to the festival. They had heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, which means save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Hosanna. Hosanna. The crowd gathers as Jesus makes his mighty entry into the city on a donkey. The crowd gathers and they're shouting, Hosanna, save us. They see Jesus as the Savior in this moment. They see Jesus as the one who's going to save them. 
But we have to acknowledge that there's people at this time, there's some people who are crying Hosanna and laying down their palm branches that truly believe he's the Savior. They truly do. They've seen him work miracles. They've heard the stories. They believe he's the Savior. And then there's other people who are in the city at the time laying down the palm branches that are in a season of questioning. They're still laying down their palm branches. They're still playing the role. They're they're going through the motions, but they're questioning, is he really who he says he is? Is he really the Savior? And there's a third person in the story. There's people who are laying down their palm branches, laying down their palm branches, who knowingly are his enemy, knowing that they don't agree with him, crying these words, Hosanna, knowing that they don't believe he is who he says he is. We have to be truthful to ourselves. Which one of these categories do we fall in? Which one of these categories do we fall in? Because that first group of people who, who believed who he was, the second group who was questioning the enemies, the cries of Hosanna, save us. In a week's time in the city, a week's time of Jesus in the city, those cries of Hosanna, people from that crowd are now in a crowd crying out, crucify him. Crucify him. And they're actually given the moment. They're given a moment of opportunity. When Pilate stands in front of the crowd, he was the, the leader at the time, and he stands in front of the crowd and he says, I, I have two options for you. We can either kill Jesus today or we can kill Barabbas. Barabbas, the criminal, the one who's rightfully wrong. I will give you the opportunity to choose in the cries that echo out, crucify him. Crucify. How does this happen? How do we go from Hosanna to crucify him? You might be in the room and you say, I would never do that. I would never shout those words. But I'm telling you, these enemies of the faith that took over that city and changed the minds of the people of that city are still alive today. And if they are left unchecked in our life, if we don't surrender, these enemies of the faith to Jesus. Get rid of them in our life. Those enemies will start to speak lies to us. We'll start to change the way we think, the way we view Jesus, just as it changed the cry of Hosanna to crucify him. What enemies of the faith are you battling with? What enemies are you struggling with? Maybe before today you didn't even know it was an enemy, but as I was talking about it, something stirred up in you. Don't let them win. Don't let them speak lies. I want to end with this today. As we're wrapping up service, I want to end with this. A challenge for you guys. The reason we gave you palm branches is we want you to have a moment. We want you to have the opportunity to proclaim that Jesus is the King of Kings. Cry out, Hosanna. If you're the group of people who you believe Jesus is who he says he is, you believe that his word is true, you believe that he is the Christ, the Savior, who came to save us, we want you to do something today. 
We want you to, as you leave today, take these palm branches, and there's two things you can do. You can either take this palm branch and lay it at the cross outside, just saying, Jesus, I believe, I believe 100% who you are. Or you could take it home, make something memorable with it. Put it up somewhere that will remind you that Jesus is the king that entered the city to conquer all of your sins, to conquer all death. I believe who you are. And there's the second group of people. Maybe you're those people who are in the crowd who is questioning. You've been coming here for a while and you've been hearing it, but you don't know. You don't know if you're all in or if you're out. You're kind of in that middle spot. I want to challenge you today. Are you believing enemies? Is today the day where you can say authentically, Jesus, I believe you are who you said you were. I believe you. And you can lay it at the cross or take it home. But I want to speak to the third group. Some, there might be some enemies in here who don't believe, who are angry at God, angry at Jesus. I want you to hear my words. You might be angry at him, but he's not angry at you. He still loves you. He still died for you. And I don't want you to fake it today. I don't want you to go out there like those people did on Palm Sunday and fake it and lay down your palm branch or whatever that is. I just want to challenge you. I want you to seek after him. I want you to maybe get over your anger, get over your hatred, and just say, God, I'm going to give you a chance. Whatever that is for you today, as we sing this next worship song, I want you to process that. What am I doing? Where am I in this story? Am I believing the enemies or do I believe Jesus is who he said he is? Let's pray. Father God, we lift you up today. We pray that as we continue on with service today, God, that you would be glorified. That, we, that our hearts would be Hosanna, Hosanna. Our hearts would continuously cry Hosanna day after day after day and we would not fall victims to these enemies that used to speak lies into our life. Father, we love you and we thank you for this day. In your holy name, amen.